What a joy to open God's word together. So I just want us to take a moment. Just take a moment, close your eyes, look at the cross. Just take a moment with God. Picture that Jesus is here with us. He is our teacher and we are here to seek him together. Thank you, Lord, for the honor of learning from you. Thank you, Lord, for the children who are here as a reminder, God, that you tell us to come as children to you, that you, God, are our great parent, and we love you. And so this morning, God, may we have eyes to see and ears to hear what the Spirit of God is saying to your people, the church. Amen. Our scripture today is Isaiah 35, and I will be reading all 10 verses. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and shouting. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it, the majesty of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who are of a fearful heart, be strong, do not fear. Here is your God. He will come with vengeance, with terrible recompense. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf shall be opened. Then the lame shall leap like a deer, and the tongue of the speechless sing for joy. For water shall break forth in the wilderness, and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool, and the thirsty ground springs of water. The haunt of jackals shall become a swamp, the grass shall become reeds and rushes. A highway shall be there, and it shall be called the holy way. The unclean shall not travel on it, but it shall be for God's people. No traveler, not even fools, shall go astray. No lion shall be there, nor shall any ravenous beast come upon it. They shall not be found there. But the redeemed shall walk there, and the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Thanks be to God. Isaiah 34 and 35 are in many ways to be read together. In 34, we see the terrible future for those who go up against Yahweh, who dare to oppose God, specifically the strong, arrogant nations who oppose him, as well as those who trust those nations for protection. We've been talking a lot about that. The words we just read in 35 are an opposite to that reality, so it's considered a mirror image of 34. The idea here is for the people to see what good things will happen when they look to God for salvation instead of trusting others for what humans can't give. Humans can't give us salvation. Humans can't protect us the way that God can protect us. Humans can't forgive us. Amen? 
So the apostle Paul says, no eye has seen, no ear has imagined the things that God has prepared for those who love him. And we hold on to that. So as I was pondering our passage earlier this week, I kept thinking about transformation. The idea of how something or something changes from one thing to another. And that idea, for some reason, I often think of transformation as a quick process, although we know it's not always. Like superheroes who change in movies from their shape shifts from one being to another. We also might think about people who drastically change their appearance. We might call that a makeover, a transformation. People who were once so ugly now have become so beautiful, they have a glow up, as the teenagers say. In business, transformation processes are activities that a business undertakes to convert inputs to outputs. In other words, we have raw material, and then it becomes a packaged good, and it goes off. We also might think in the natural world about the beautiful exchange when a caterpillar becomes a butterfly. All transformation. But when we read this passage upon further reflection, I felt like the Lord was saying to me, this really, this poetic passage is about restoration. Similar to transformation, surely they overlap, but they're not the same. And Isaiah is telling us how Yahweh will intentionally return both creation and humans to a former condition. So instead of thinking about something becoming something that it was not before, we read of something going back to its original condition, a place where it was before. We might think about years of paint and grime being scraped off a masterpiece or about a home being renovated or a neighborhood being tenderly cleaned up and cared for. Now Isaiah uses two pictures that all humans can relate to regardless of where they're from or what language they speak or really what time they live in. First off in verses 1 and 2 and also 6 and 7 Creation here is used as an analogy to the people of Israel. And there is a promise here for the desolation and the fear that the people are experiencing. In the future, Isaiah says, God is going to restore what has become barren. The people have experienced exile, and Isaiah is likening that to dry land Last week, I flew in from Florida, and as I was in the plane leaving Florida, it was so green and lush and beautiful, and then I flew over the deserts of Arizona and California, quite different, that were cracked and dusty and brown, and God is saying the blistered landscapes of the heart of the people who have been enduring intense heat and living in oppression that that's not going to last forever. That one day, what has been damaged and lost will be restored. Now, we understand this on a very small scale. We've seen species of animals on the brink of extinction come back when humans turn to better practices, humpback whales and macaws and, and jaguars and the American bison. This year, we have joyfully celebrated the beauty of the rain filling our reservoirs, bringing a little respite from the long drought, the siege and terror of constant high temperatures that many are experiencing firsthand right now, they seem to go on with no relief in sight. And God is saying one day 
the searing heat of everything that you have experienced will be reversed and the living water will come upon them and it will be majestic to behold. The second picture is of a body being strengthened again, as we see in verses 3 and 5. And let's not think about the body being burdened by old age, although that is certainly true, but rather the weaknesses which come when the soul is under duress. We are a composite of body and mind and spirit. And when one part suffers, all the other parts do also And however much we might try to compartmentalize, we are created to be an integrated whole. But stress and sorrow take a toll on the body. Isaiah is saying how the experience of being far from God in a place that is not their home make the people fragile. Being apart from God makes us fragile. The uncertainty of the future, the difficulty of being in an enemy's land wears people down. And Isaiah says they are weak and fearful and feeble. And these words are a promise from God who says, when you return to your homeland, those things will be strengthened. I will bring you back, not to myself. And at God's coming, there will be a blossoming that they haven't seen in a long while. And they will come back with praise. And in the middle of all of this talk about restoration, there is a wide highway, which Isaiah calls the holy way. In the original language, it is the way of the holy ones. Picture a road going through the now lush wilderness and the beautiful blooming desert. It is for God's people to travel upon as they walk with him. Isaiah says there is no one unclean. In God's presence, everyone is righteous. There are no fools which means those who are actively living opposed to God, there's no danger from fearsome beasts. So my friends, this is a psalm of restoration. When something is restored, it comes back to life in a new way, which is at once familiar, but not the same as it was. The desert will blossom from being a dry land. The wilderness will turn to rejoicing. The land which has languished will be brought back to astounding life again. The weak will be made strong. The fearful will be given courage. Those who have lost the ability to see or to hear will have their senses back. The broken bodies will leap and the silent tongues will speak. There will be streams in the desolation. And through all of this, they will see the road for God's people to go back to the temple, to go back to Zion, which the ransomed will return with joy and despair will be no more. Communion is a place of restoration. A place of restoration on the journey with God. When we come to receive the body and the blood of Jesus, we are remembering his gruesome death and how his body was lovingly restored to new life three days after death. Isaiah is really describing a resurrection, isn't he? Where there was death and no hope suddenly has been changed by the power of God. In communion, we think about how Jesus endured the sorrow and the horror and the trauma of the cross so that all of humanity would experience the living water that he came to give, the living water that comes and changes the desolate wilderness of our souls. 
And every time we take communion, we are aware of how it was our sin that put him on the cross, and we find forgiveness. Because just as others can't free us, we cannot free ourselves. And so when we come to the table, we also remember and think about the meaningful times that God has met us on the road, when he has brought forgiveness and grace to our hard hearts, when we needed restoration, when we were living in a dry and dusty land where there was no water, and how he came to revive us. Communion is a remembering of the cross in all the ways that God has met us since. So our faith will increase, and we will be assured of how he will meet us again. Communion is a place of promise for our daily needs, as well as for the new land that we can hardly even comprehend, because we live in one that is groaning and decaying around us. So as you think about your life today, I want you to ask yourself what needs to be restored. The psalmist cries out, Lord, restore to me the joy of my salvation. Do you need to have joy restored in your life today? What has grown tired and weary in your spiritual life? What in your heart has been covered up with grime and other paint that shouldn't be there? In the time of Isaiah, God promised a new future through the path of his choosing. In the new covenant, we have Jesus who comes to us on the cross seeking that we would be remade by his blood. Jesus, who proclaimed that he is the way, promises to always bring us back to the path of holiness. So there is refreshment here for your soul and answers for the truth that you are seeking there's an opportunity for us to examine the areas of our lives and be brought back to God, allowing God to remake us. So in the stillness, in the stillness today, after the liturgy, in the time of prayer, ask God, Lord, what is broken in my life that I cannot fix? We have a floor at our house that we have not fixed. It's been a few years. Why haven't you fixed it? Well, it's, you know, money and it's time. And, well, we've kind of gotten used to it, actually. Sometimes we treat our spiritual lives that way. Something's broken. And we think to ourselves, why don't we fix it? Well, it takes time and it takes energy and it takes, you know, I don't really know. The Lord is here to restore what is broken in our lives. That is the promise that Isaiah is giving us today, that God has the power and the authority and the intention and the desire to make us new. And so let us come forward in faith today, seeking God to restore us in our body, in our mind, in our soul, in our relationships. Come, let us experience the glory of God among us as we receive the precious gift of Christ's body and blood. And let us rejoice in our salvation. Thank you for listening. If you would like to learn more about the Free Methodist Church of Santa Barbara, you can visit us online at fmcsb.org. We pray this message has been a blessing to you.